Uh, I'll ask you, if you would, to turn to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be in chapter 10 this morning. In Mark chapter 10, I have a, a fairly long section to read to you, about 11 verses. But I'm concentrating on one thought out of those 11 verses. <clears throat> I would like for you, uh, if you've found your place there in Mark chapter 10, I would ask you, if you would rise for the reading of the Word of God, we do so just simply out of respect for the Word itself. We'll begin reading in verse 17, and I'll read through verse 27. <clears throat> Excuse me. And here we read, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about, and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Lord, this morning, having read this portion of the Scriptures that were left unto us, we do ask you to enlighten them to us this morning. We ask you, Lord, that we would have understanding and wisdom. We ask you, Lord, that we would take this personally, Lord, not as a lesson to anyone else, but Lord, rather take it to heart for ourselves. I ask you, Lord, that you would help me to preach these things that you've laid upon my heart and help us all in the understanding of your Word, that we be edified, that we be corrected, that we go forth as light shining in a dark world, that we shine forth with truth, Lord, not with fables or tales, but rather with truth learned from your word. And I ask you this, Lord Jesus, in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to preach this morning a very familiar passage of the rich young ruler. I know you've heard this throughout your time in the church, whether you've come to the church early in your life or late in your life. You've often heard this preached to the rich young ruler. I'd like to preach this morning a simple thought, all or nothing. All or nothing. Uh, for our gospel that we preach and this gospel that we believe in and this gospel which we live in front of men is an all or nothing gospel. Uh, there is no halfway there's no such thing according to scriptures as being halfway saved. There's no such thing as being halfway right with God. There's no such thing uh, as a half Christian at all. That sort of thing is unknown to the scriptures. But either we're born of the Spirit or we're spiritually dead. We're alive or we're dead. Uh, we say sometimes in our language that someone's half dead. But there's no such thing really as that. You're either alive or you're dead. Uh, I... 
I, you know here recently I've been working even with a funeral home and I'll promise you we've never half buried nobody. Uh, you're either alive or you're dead. Uh, and, and it's an all or nothing gospel. Uh, Jesus died all the way for us. He didn't go to the point of death and back out. But he went all the way through, died, was buried, and rose again. Amen. He went all the way through. And we, when we are saved, must go all the way through. We must die completely to ourselves and to this world. It must be buried to us, put away, that we may live in the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. It is an all or nothing gospel. There's no way to follow Jesus halfway and expect a half measure of reward. Right. There's no way to die and go to a neutral grounds. There is no neutral grounds. There's no such thing as limbo. There's no such thing as purgatory. There is heaven and there is hell. There's an eternity with God and there's an eternity without God. But there is no eternity living by our own measures in the natural flesh. Either we will die to the flesh and live in the Spirit or we will die spiritually for eternity. This is an all or nothing gospel. This man, this rich young ruler that come running, uh, we find him recorded in the book of Luke. We find him recorded in the book of Matthew. You can look and find parallel accounts if you want to, and I encourage you to. I chose this one in the book of Mark because it brings out some things I'd like to bring out to you. Uh, for there are many, many, it says in that day, who will call Lord, Lord, saying that they knew Him. But He will say to them, I, that Depart from me, for I never knew you. Never knew you. Not I knew you once, but I never knew you. There are many who are deceived. We're warned not to be deceived. It must then be possible that a man can be deceived. The, things, the thing about people who are deceived is they don't know they're deceived. If they knew they were deceived, they wouldn't be deceived. And so there are those who being deceived believe that they are in a right standing with God, but yet are lost. And if they die in that standing, will be lost for all of eternity. Amen. <clears throat> this man believed that he could come up on his terms and be right with God on his terms. And I want us to read this carefully again. It says, and when he was gone forth, into the way, there came one running. I have underlined in my Bible three words in this verse. Running, kneeled, and asked. He came running. A person can come willingly to God and not get saved. A person can come with desire uh, toward Jesus Christ and not get saved. You say, well, I've never heard that. Well, you've heard it now. You've heard it from the Scriptures, not from me. It's not a matter of what I believe. It's not a matter of my opinion. But it's factually recorded right here in the Scriptures. He came running. He came with desire. He came wanting to see Jesus. He came wanting to follow Jesus. Yet we've just read the end of this thing is he did not follow Jesus. He was not a disciple of Jesus Christ. There was something that hindered him. There was something that got in the way. Though he desired to follow after Christ, something prevented him from being able to do so. Everyone who comes saying, I want to be saved, does not get saved. Now that goes against what's taught by the professional soul winning crowd. And, and I've been around them too many times and I've, ha I've had them admonish me too many times about how that anybody who wants to get saved can get saved. Well, not unless they want to all the way. Amen, brother. 
If you want to get saved, kind of, you're not going to have any joy in this. You're not going to have any part in this. You're not going to have any reward for those labors. There is no partial salvation. There is no deal that can be made with God on our own terms. But everything goes on the terms of the gospel. Salvation is the gift of God. It's not the creation of man. And so it's on His terms. Desire to be right with God is good. But it's not enough in and of itself. It's good to see someone come into a church desiring to hear the Word of God. It's an excellent thing. But it's not enough in and of itself. That's not enough to get a man in right standing with God. It's not enough to restore that relationship which was broken in the Garden of Eden by sin. That relationship which has been destroyed by every man and woman by their own sinful actions in this life. It takes more than a desire to be reconciled with God, although that's good. It's part of what's needed, but it's not all by itself. Amen. He came running. Though that's an excellent start, it's not all the way there. The next thing that we see is that he kneeled. He kneeled to him. This man got down and kneeled before Jesus. Look, he humbled himself as beneath Christ. He recognized that Jesus was on a higher plane with him. He had respect unto the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an excellent thing. That's better than a lot of people who profess Christianity do. It's, a, it's an outstanding thing. But it's not enough by itself. It's not enough that we recognize the excellency of Jesus Christ. Although we should do so, it's not enough by itself. There are many who say that Jesus was a good man. There are many who say He's the perfect example who are not saved, who are lost, who are spiritually dead, who are destined for the depths of hell for all of eternity because it's not enough to recognize Jesus, Jesus in His excellency. But ye must be born again. Amen. There's something that has to happen. It must go all the way through. This is an all or nothing gospel. Amen. Amen, brother. What this man did so far was great. It was wonderful. I wish I could see a sinner come in here every week running to see Jesus. Yeah. Kneeling before him. I wish I could see it every week. But even that wouldn't be enough. No. It's not enough. There are many who've recognized Jesus, even recognized Him as being their only hope, who've never gone all the way through. And again, the professional soul winning crowd, really they hate this, this example, because it tears down all the man-made efforts to proclaim people as saved. Right. Yeah. Salvation is through Jesus Christ and through Him only. That's right. Until Jesus Christ says, you're mine. You're not His. That's true. Until He has given you life, you are dead. Amen. He came running. He kneeled down, respecting the Lord Jesus. Respecting His place. Respecting His wisdom. Respecting his, the excellency of His grace. And it says, and asked Him. <clears throat> you know, prayer is a form of petition. A form of asking. And I've, I've seen in this town, in this town, several instances of this, and I've seen it uh, in other places, in other towns. Yeah. Several instances of this 
uh, where someone will come to an altar torn up uh, with, with the conviction of the Holy Ghost upon them, knowing they're lost, knowing they need Jesus Christ, coming and asking, but they get to a certain point and quit. I, I can't tell you how frustrating it is to see someone come up to an altar, begin to pray, and then quit and go silent. Last Thursday night, I dropped by that little tent revival up there, and you may think bad of me for that, but I did. And I realize they're not of our denomination. I don't care. I dropped by just to hear what he was preaching. I stayed on the outside of the tent just to hear. Uh, and he was preaching good that night. Uh, he was preaching about the cross and preaching about a decision that must be made. Thought he was doing well. And at the end of it, I uh, made an altar call, and a young man came up. Uh, and nobody went to pray with him at first. I went around the edge of the tent <clears throat> by the time I got there, a couple of men were praying with him. And, and so I, I didn't try to get in their way or knock anybody out of the way. Uh, tried to pray with him and looked and he wasn't praying. And, and it's, it's that same thing that I'm telling you of. I've seen so many come and start to pray and just choke up and quit. You're right. To ask of the Lord is good. Yeah. To pray to the Lord is good. But there must be a going through that goes all the way. There can't be a hindered prayer, a stopped prayer that's going to work. What's stopping all of these people that come up and start to pray and quit? The same thing that hindered this rich young ruler. Yeah. The same thing that hindered him is hindering so many. Hindering so many from going all the way through. For again, it's an all or nothing gospel. <clears throat> and though the Lord seeks those who will seek Him. Amen. He wants those who will seek Him with yeah. all yeah. of their hearts. All of their hearts. Yeah. It's good to make a start. Thank you, Lord. But the end of a thing is better than the beginning. Amen, brother. It's good to make a start toward the Lord. It's good to have desire. It's good that someone would come up and want to be saved. But the Lord has requirements. And again, I've heard this taught against. It's been told to me, it's a free gift. There can't be any requirements. Well... I'll tell you what, it won't cost you nothing but everything. That's it. Yeah. That's all it'll cost you is everything. But I'm going to tell you something else that costs you everything if you don't go to. That's right. It'll cost you everything if you believe in Him. It'll cost you everything if you don't believe in Him. Yeah. One way you get everything and one way you get nothing. So it's a free gift. But whether you accept Jesus Christ or reject Jesus Christ, it'll cost you everything in this world either way. Because everything in this world will end up being consumed in a fervent heat, in a burning flame. Yes. When you die, you'll take none with you. When you're resurrected, you'll take none. Amen. Whether you're saved or lost, there's nothing of this world that you're going to keep. But, if you go all the way through, you can keep the eternal things. So it's a free gift, but yes, it'll cost you everything. Everything. <coughs> Excuse me. I want you to see now with Him coming up, for Jesus knew his heart. And he knew how much he desired and how much he didn't desire. And I want you to see the challenge that came next. For Jesus issued a challenge to him in verse 18. He saw him come up. And again, Jesus didn't pronounce him saved just because he came up. His works in coming to Christ were not enough. And a man's works are not enough. I read... Of a, of a great preacher of his time or considered or called to be a great preacher of his time. A man named R.A. Torrey 
who's uh, often quoted off in, in Baptist ranks as being one of the great preachers. R.A. Torrey would go out and preach and call to, the, uh, to the, the congregation and there would be thousands there and tell them if any man wants to accept Christ, just stand up. And those that stood up, he said, you're saved. But I tell you, that's not the way salvation works. No, it ain't. That's a work done by man. And no work done by man is sufficient. No. If that were true, the rich young ruler would have been saved that day. That's true. For he performed his works. But works are not sufficient. And Jesus challenged him. And I believe he challenges us all. It says the grace of God and his salvation hath appeared to all men. So I believe every man receives this challenge, this conviction yeah. from God at one time or another in their life. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? He said, You've called me something here. He said, Good master, why would you call me good? He says, There's none good but one, that is God. <clears throat> he said, Do you know what you're doing? He said, I want to tell you something. You're dealing with God. And that's the, that's the thing about conviction of sins. That's what the Lord is doing when He convicts us of who we are. It's telling us, first off, this is an eternal thing. This is not like joining the Lions Club. This is not like going down to the country club and paying a little money and getting membership. This is an eternal thing. And you're dealing with an eternal God. Do you understand? You're dealing with with God. That's what Jesus confronted him with. And that's what every person uh, convicted by the Holy Ghost is confronted with is that they're dealing with an eternal God. He then goes on to the next verse and describes who God is and who this man is. He says, Thou knowest the commandments. What's he talking about? The commandments of God. The law of God. The holiness of God. The righteousness of God. He says, Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. He named the last six commandments, not the first four. Why? The last six deal with how we deal with men. The first four, how we deal with God. Yeah. But what he's doing right here is telling him, I can show you from how you deal with other people that you're not right with God. Can I tell you the last commandment no man has ever kept? says, Thou shalt not covet. And you might say that you've never killed and you've never stolen. You might say you've never lied, although I would think that makes you a liar. You might say a lot of things about what you've never done, but I'll tell you, you'll never convince me you've never coveted. If none of us ever coveted any goods of anybody, all of us would be content to wear the cheapest thing out there, to live in the next to nothing house that we could live in, to not have anything, and it wouldn't bother us. But what bothers us is we see other people and we won't. You know what that's called? Covetousness. Not one person's ever kept that last commandment. And here Jesus confronted him with the law of God. The perfection of God. And what he's telling him is this God you're dealing with is holy and perfect and you are not. You are a sinner. You have come short of the law of God. You have sinned against a holy God. What you have earned is the wrath of God. You are not in any kind of fit shape to make a deal with God. You have no grounds to stand and argue with God or make a deal with God. 
Do you know who you are? You are a sinner. You are vile. You are filthy. You have willfully rebelled against a holy God. And that's what Jesus is confronting this rich young ruler with. The perfection of God and the sinfulness of man. I tell you until a person understands who God is and who they are, they cannot be saved. Until a person understands that God is so holy that He cannot allow any sin into His presence, they will still think too high of themselves. Until a person realizes how filthy and vile they are in the sight of a holy God. Until a person realizes that there is no way that God can accept them as a peer or an equal, they cannot be saved. But they must realize that they are a sinner, unfit and unworthy in order to be saved. Why is it that we even preach the law of God seeing that we're not under the law? Because we must realize the filthiness of the flesh. We must realize the shortcomings of the flesh. We must realize that the flesh is insufficient. We must realize that our works, even our best works, are tainted by our own filthy nature. All of us. Now I'm not now even speaking just to the unsaved. But even those of us who are saved must realize that our works are insufficient. They're insufficient even to glorify God. Uh, we cannot of our own works even give God proper praise. Those of us who are saved. But it must be that the grace of God would give us the favor that we might glorify Him in the sight of men. We can't even do that of our own selves. You know, once a person has seen and understood who God is and who they are, I don't believe they can ever forget it. I don't believe so. We might do it for a moment. We might do it for a day. We might grow cold toward things eternal. But I believe that if you've ever realized how unfit you are and how holy God is, that it'll continually come back to you. Continually. This rich young ruler didn't realize it. It says in verse 20, And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. I don't know if he realized how much he was lying or not. I'm sure that he probably had tried to observe them from his youth. And he may have grown very good at it. You know, there are people on this earth who are very moral, who are very upstanding, upstanding citizens. There are men and women out there who are unsaved, who live better lifestyles than a lot of Christians do. Uh, you know, the Mormon religion is known for people who are very, very morally upright. Uh, some are and some are not. But those who are, a lot of them are very uh, honest and very, uh, very circumspect in how they live and how they walk. And they're just as lost as lost can be. Mormonism is not a form of Christianity. It's an abomination. And it actually mocks Christianity if you ever study it. So, so I'm, if a person has their trust in that, uh, then they're indeed lost. But yet they live morally up, upright compared to most Christians. What am I telling you? That how morally upright you live is not sufficient. Right. It's not sufficient. If that were true, uh, then then Muslims, then Buddhists, uh, then even, even the uh, witch doctors out there and the voodoo people, all could lay claim to salvation. But there is no salvation except through Jesus Christ. Amen. Through Jesus Christ alone. He said, I am the way. Not a way, but the way. The truth and the life. 
No man cometh to the Father but by me. There's only one way to be saved. And that's what I'm telling you about this morning. It's an all or nothing way. It's an all or nothing gospel. If we're going to be saved eternally, if we're going to spend forever in the presence of God, honoring Him and worshiping Him, it's His way. And it's all the way. There's no part way, but it's all the way. All or nothing. Now this rich young ruler was confronted here with who God was and his own sinfulness. And he denied his own sinfulness. Would you look at that? He said, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. He's denied that he's fallen short of the glory of God. He's denied that he was a sinner. I tell you, no such man can ever be saved until he gets that right. Now I want to show you the love of God. It says, then Jesus beholding him, loved him. Loved him. But God commendeth His love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. When I refused to recognize my own unworthiness, when I thought I was a pretty good old boy, when, when I thought that I was just as good as them hypocrites down at the church, and I might have been just as good as the hypocrites down at the church, still yet, the Lord loved me and saw fit to deal with me. As He did with you, because you were righteous in your own eyes too. All of us are when we are lost. Every person without God is righteous in their own eyes. But God loved us enough. Loved us enough. To one more time. See the challenge of the law had already went out. He told them about the commandments. And we knew the law of God. But now you see the grace of God. Yes. Now the challenge comes out from the grace of God and the love of of God. What's the grace of God that He would convict us of our sins? That He would tell us who we were? That He would explain one more time? Although we had failed to understand the law of God, He would come one more time and make a plea. Jesus loved him. Jesus beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. One thing. I believe that every person their wants and their desires. I'm speaking of their natural wants and their natural desires. Their natural loves. All come together at some point into one thing. There's one thing that you love more than any other thing on this earth. I'm speaking of the natural man. The natural person usually loves himself the most. Some love a dollar bill the most. Some will love their pleasures the most. But whatever it is, there will be one thing. When a person comes desiring to be saved, if they say, well, will I have to give up such and such thing? Well, if that's what you named off, I'll pretty much promise you that's what you're going to have to give up. If you say, do I really have to give up all of my friends? You named it. Yeah. You named it. Yes, sir. You'll have to give them up. That's right. You see, it's an all or nothing gospel. Yeah. What did I give up when I got saved? Well, I gave up everything. Now, we, we've, I, that, I remember praying that. I mean, I didn't know what to pray. I wasn't at a church service. I went to a church. I'd asked a man if his pastor was there, and I went and came in the back door, went right past his assistant pastor. I don't know what he was going to try to say to me. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know I was supposed to talk to somebody and hear somebody say so. I didn't know. I just knew I had to get saved. And I hit a front pew. I can't tell you the words I prayed, but I know what I was saying. I was telling the Lord I'll leave it all behind. 
Uh, I didn't know what to do, but the Lord knew what to do. How did I know to pray that I was going to leave it all behind? Because the Lord put it on me. Because that's what the Lord challenged me with. Are you going to give it up? I had worked hard to earn a reputation, you know. I, I had a certain reputation among my friends. And I, I put it all away. Amen. You know, I, I, was, I was constantly singing and playing the guitar in the, in the little juke joints around the parties. I was recording a couple of CDs and told the Lord I didn't care about none of that no more. You know, all my habits and everything else, I didn't care no more. Listen, if you really answer the convicting power of God, you won't care about nothing no more. That's right, brother. And whatever it is that's possessed you, that's claimed you, uh, whatever it is that you love so much in this world, you'll give that thing up. This rich young ruler, all of his natural pa passions came together in his possessions. All of them came together in his riches. One thing, he said, one thing thou lackest. He didn't call off many, but one. One. His love of the natural world. His love of riches. When it says the love of money is the root of all evil, it means that the word is mammon. Mammon is natural riches. You can't love this natural world and, and more than you love God and be saved. You cannot. You cannot give up the world later. It's often said, well, you can accept Christ as your Savior now and make Him your Lord later. Find that one in the Bible. Yeah. It's not there. That kind of salvation is unknown to Scriptures. But the Scriptures have nothing to do with you making Jesus anything. You don't make Him Lord. You don't make Him Savior. You don't make Him King. He already is those things. You don't have the power to make Him none of that stuff. Amen. You don't have the power to make Him nothing. Man don't make God. God makes man. Uh, but you don't make Him these things, but you better believe He's those things. If you don't believe He's the Lord, if you don't believe He's the Savior, you don't believe in Him. Amen. And when it says you must believe in Him, it's not talking about believing He existed. There are many people in Christ's day who believe He existed who died and went to hell lost without God because they didn't believe in Him though that they knew that what He taught. And many of them knew that He died, knew that He was buried. The Roman soldiers were there when He resurrected from the grave. So they believed in the death, burial, and resurrection and were lost. Yeah. I've heard it often preached. If you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, you're saved. Find that in the Bible. No. You must believe in Him. Him. You must believe who He is. He's already confronted this man and said, I'm God. You called me good. Do you know what you're talking about? I'm God. How can He not be the Lord of all things? How can He not be the only hope for salvation? Do we believe in Him? See, it's all the way or nothing. You can't believe in part of Jesus. You can't believe in a few aspects of Jesus. Nope. Either you believe in all of Him or it's nothing. There's no reward in believing Jesus is some things but not all things. You must believe in Him all the way. Thank you, Lord. All Amen. the way. One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. He's telling them, give up these natural things. That's right. Give up these natural things. Can I ask you, did you give it all up? Have you forsaken all? Have you forsaken all? In the book of Luke, Jesus said in chapter 14, verse 33, 
So likewise, whosoever he be of you, how many of us does that cover? Covers everybody that's here and everybody that's not here. That's right. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ unless you have forsaken all that you have. That's not just the money and the clothes and the cars and the houses, but it's your pride. It's everything that's about you. It must all be forsaken. I've heard people try to tell me, well, that's just to be a disciple. You can be saved and not be a disciple. That's hogwash too. That's not in the Scriptures. If you're saved, you're His disciple. You may be a poor disciple. You may be a carnal disciple. But a disciple is one who follows. He says, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. Not they might follow me, but they follow me. Right. It's an all or nothing gospel. That's what I'm trying to get to you. It's, it's so often perverted in this world. It's so often perverted even in the churches. This idea that you can just simply snap your fingers and be saved. But rather the Scriptures teach that we must forsake all. We must give up all. Like I say, it won't cost you nothing but everything. That's all. It'll cost you everything you have. But oh, you'll receive everything that's in glory. You'll receive everything that's eternal. But you must forsake all. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And, as we, and he had not been to the cross yet. But yet everybody knew what he meant when he said take up the cross. Yeah. Even though Jesus had not been to the cross. What's he talking about? Everybody knows that cross in his time yeah. is the death. Right. The death. Specifically the death of the flesh. That's what happens at a cross. That's right. The flesh dies at a cross. Thank you, Lord. To be saved, we take up the cross, it says. That's the death of the flesh. We die with cross, at the point at, with Christ. At the point of salvation, we die with him. And are buried with him and rise again with him. Thank you, Lord. It's the death of everything about us. Right. Salvation, so called, is not salvation for real. Unless it involves all, all, all that we are, all that we ever have plans to be, all of our plans, all of our future, all of our past, all of our present, all of everything about us, all of it is given away. All of it we turn our backs on so that we might receive all. An all or nothing gospel. In a world that believes in a rubber stamp salvation, in a world that believes that all you have to do is, is just come up, make a profession, go be baptized into the church, sign your name on the roll, uh, nod your head at three verses and repeat the magic prayer. Uh, all of these things that are said, yet still Jesus Christ calls out the same thing that He called out to this young man. Leave it all. One thing, one thing, one thing I require of you. One thing I require of you. Leave it all. One thing I require of you. Leave it all Amen. and take up the cross and follow me. We see that Jesus loved this man, was willing to save him. There's a teaching out that some believe in called irresistible grace. And they teach that when God in His grace calls you, you cannot resist. But I see that Jesus called this man and He resisted. Yeah. So I believe you can resist the grace of God. Yeah, you, can. you can resist the calling of God. You can tell God, no. 
This young man refused the call of Jesus himself. Right. I believe that's still the call that goes out. The Spirit of God calls, the Father calls, and the Son calls. All three are listed in the Scriptures. The Godhead works together. They're never disagreed. That's right. And when God calls to the heart of men and women, boys and girls, everywhere, it's the same call that it's always been. Would you leave all and receive all? Or would you hold on to anything that you have and receive nothing? It's an all or nothing gospel. Said, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great, great possessions. See, it's on this topic that John said later in the book of 1 John Love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What keeps, what hinders a man from being saved when he desires to be saved? When he recognizes Jesus as above him? When he comes praying? What hinders him from being saved? Why is it that we see people come to the altars and choke up and refuse to pray? It's the love of this world. What is it in this world they love? I don't know. That may be different from one to another. One may be consumed with pleasures and one with, with uh, greed and one with, a, uh, with another thing. That's not for me to know. But I know it's the one thing that keeps a soul from God is the love of this world. And so I ask only one more time. Have you forsook all? And now I'll ask the saints of God. Have you picked any of it back up? Because not only will the love of this world hinder a man from being saved, but it'll prevent the saints of God from living close to God. It'll prevent you from having the power of God in your life. It'll prevent you from having your prayers answered. It'll hinder you just like it hinders someone that's lost from coming to God. The love of this world is not a mark of a Christian. The love of this world is what has to be forsaken to become a Christian. And it's something that must continue in our lives if we're to have any of the power of God in our lives. It's an all or nothing gospel. Do you love Him all the way? Is there anything... While I've been preaching, is there anything that's come to your mind? Is there anything that you know of that's hindering you? Is there anything that you need to put away for the love of God? Literally, for the love of God. And that's what I call to you this morning. Jade, I'd ask you if you would come forward. I'd like to give you a chance to take any little thing or any large thing in your life and put it before the Lord. Though it be a little thing, if it hinders you, it's a large thing. Though it be little in everyone else's eyes, if there's anything that you've set your eyes on, set your hopes on, that's of this world, it'll hinder you uh, from being in a right standing with God, be you saved or lost. And so we'll open up the altars this morning and ask you to take anything you have before the Lord. Jade, you can play uh, as soon as you... Uh, are ready to. And after the altar call, we'll dismiss in prayer. But I want to give you this opportunity. One thing. If you have one thing you need to bring before the Lord, please bring it before the Lord. Go ahead, Jake.